A Scottish hacker runs rampant through U.S. secure military hardware from 2001 through 2002, claiming to have discovered evidence of a United States Space Force. Is this hacker telling the truth, or is this merely a giant hoax? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the KMH Podcast. I'm your buddy here, Brad. Today we're going to talk about Mr. Gary McKinnon, a Scottish hacker who found some really weird things when going through some U.S. secure military sites. Before we begin, there's a couple housekeeping measures I want to discuss. First, we've been running a little bit long in our last couple episodes, and I'm going to try to compensate for that in this episode. Second, the sound quality has been a little off recently. That's due to me and my family moving. We've got a new house, and I'm still in the process of trying to get the uh, recording studio set up in a good way. I know last week's episode had a lot of Echo, so I'm hoping I can cut that out in this week's episode, but I appreciate y'all being patient with me on that front. Um, I'll keep working towards making this as good a sounding podcast as I can, considering my extreme technical limitations. So with that out of the way, let's get on to the show. So in this episode, Gary McKinnon is... Scottish hacker who's been accused of perpetrating the largest military computer hack of all time. Now, while there are a ton of legal issues we can discuss, this crime doesn't really fit with the purpose of the show. It's not a murder. It's not a missing persons. So we're going to talk about more of the fun bits of the case. McKinnon's claim they discovered the U.S. has been in contact with aliens for decades and that there are currently spaceships in the sky flying under the U.S. flag. Now, to provide a context, McKinnon, who is now a former IT worker, has been accused by the United States government of hacking into 97 U.S. military and NASA computers from February of 2001 through March of 2002 from the house he was living in, which was his girlfriend's aunt's house, and he used the online name Solo. His hacking efforts allegedly led to the deletion of critical files and shut down certain military systems for approximately 24 hours. He posted a taunt on one military website claiming that the U.S. military's computer system security was, and I quote, crap. He is also accused of compromising the early naval weapons station shortly after the September 11 attacks the U.S. suffered. Because of this, the munition supply deliveries to the U.S. Navy's Atlantic Fleet were affected. In November 2002, the United States indicted McKinnon on seven counts of computer-related crimes, each carrying a maximum sentence of 10 years. After lots of lawyering and arguing and some hearings, the United Kingdom decided not to extradite McKinnon to the U.S. in October of 2012, almost 10 years later. 
So, as long as McKinnon remains smart and never takes a trip to the United States, he won't really have to face these charges. Now, McKinnon was not a master hacker. He was able to gain access to so many of these systems because he discovered that the machine's default administrator password had never been changed. And most of these systems, the default password was no password. So calling him a hacker is a little bit generous. McKinnon claims that he was not the only person snooping around on these machines, as Wayne did a network status command on every machine he got into, he saw connections from all over the world, including countries where the U.S. maintained no military bases. Shocking that if you don't set a password on something so secure that bad guys and others may just want to snoop around there. Okay, so on to the aliens. McKinnon never has denied hacking into the U.S. systems. He simply disputes the extent of the damage he did, but he doesn't deny causing some havoc. He claims he was on a bit of a moral crusade, but we aren't worried about any of that. We just want to talk about the aliens this week. So he claims he became interested in hacking into the U.S. systems because he believed that the world governments were suppressing anti-gravity technology, free energy technologies, and other UF-related technologies. He was encouraged by the Disclosure Project, which is a collection of hundreds of testimonials from people in a variety of industries who have witnessed government-alien interactions or attempts to reverse-engineer alien technologies. Once he began, McKinnon became obsessed with finding out as much information as possible, and this little project of his overtook his life. Based on what he learned from the Disclosure Project, one of the first hacks McKinnon did was to find Building 8 at the Johnson Space Center, where allegedly precise airbrushing occurred, which took aliens out of photographs. Using his then super-powerful 56K modem, which if you are old enough to remember, these suckers would download a line of a picture at a time. He struggled to view some of the pictures he found. He was dealing with 300 and 400 gigabyte size photos, allegedly, and they were in a proprietary format. So he had lots of obstacles to overcome when he was forced to move so slowly. He claims he managed to convert one of the, one of the photographs into a low-resolution, 4-bit color version which revealed to him a silver, cigar-shaped object with no visible seams or rivets that looked otherworldly. Essentially, in other words, he took this high-res photo and converted it down to an old-school Nintendo-looking graphic. McKinnon claimed he tried to take a screenshot of the photo, but just as he was about to, someone at NASA noticed he was snooping around and disconnected him. McKinnon claimed there were somewhere between 200 and 300 photos of alien technology in this database, though I believe this is merely an assumption since he was enduring a 56K download of every photo. There was probably 300-ish photos there, but we don't really know how many were of this alien technology. 
McKinnon also claims he found a spreadsheet entitled Non-Terrestrial Officers, which contained the names and ranks and a history of movements of United States military officers between ships, ships which didn't exist within the U.S. Navy databases. Further, the spreadsheet included lists of material transfers between the ships. He claims he found somewhere between eight and ship, ten ships specifically referenced. He specifically recalled two of the ships being named the USSS LeMay and the USSS Hillencotter. The extra S in, that, in there made it stand for United States Spaceship. Now, LeMay is apparently named for a General Curtis LeMay of the United States Air Force who was buddies with Senator Barry Goldwater. And Senator Goldwater claimed he bothered General LeMay about aliens so much that LeMay officially ordered him never to discuss the subject with him again. Hillencotter is the name of an admiral, Roscoe Hillencotter who fought to end UFO secrecy in the, USO, in the U.S. government. The non-terrestrial officers which staffed these ships could be a reference to humans stationed on these ships, not a list of alien beings, according to McKinnon. However, none of the officers listed could be found in the U.S. Navy or Air Force, Air Force personnel databases. And much to our chagrin, McKinnon did not save a copy of this spreadsheet. McKinnon claims these spaceships relied on an inexhaustible source of power, but otherwise does not describe them. When he was caught, McKinnon was offered a plea deal where he would serve three or four years in prison if he wouldn't fight the extradition. But believing he had information the U.S. would never want the public to see, McKinnon refused the offer and tried to strong-arm the U.S. into dismissing all charges lest he be tempted to release his secret knowledge unto the world. But the U.S. called his bluff, and that's why we had the giant old extradition fight between the U.S. and the U.K. So what's up with McKinnon? Wow. He may have gained access to government secrets. What did he really find? First, he has no evidence to support his claims of UFO technology and photos and whatnot. He never saved the spreadsheet, as I mentioned, and he couldn't finish downloading any of the UFO pictures. Whatever evidence he did have was taken away from him when the UK government seized his computers. As a side note, although he wasn't extradited, the UK government did punish him as part of the process. So right now, it's just his word of what he saw versus the governments of the world, which in legal terms is called a pissing contest. Second, if he did collect some sensitive information, the US probably would have played ball. I've seen them cower in an effort to protect well-placed confidential informants and other sources in major drug cases. If McKinnon had some sort of national security type stuff, there either would have been more conversations or he would have died a mysterious death. 
Instead, the U.S. said, all right, fine, and tried to drag him kicking and screaming into the American court system. McKinnon also was a fellow who admitted to drinking heavily and enjoying a fair amount of marijuana during his hacking escapades. While this doesn't necessarily mean he's unreliable, it is a bit concerning and raises a few red flags. Uh, Especially when he also appeared to have lost touch with the outside world during his crusade, as he admitted to stopping bathing, eating whatever he could find in the house, be it healthy or otherwise, and working on this project basically during all waking hours, losing track of day and night. He said he was truly addicted to completing this research, which leads to another important point. After the story broke, McKinnon was invited to be um, analyzed by a, a psychiatrist. And he was diagnosed as having Asperger's syndrome. If you're not familiar with this condition, someone with Asperger's can typically be described as being of above average intelligence, capable of understanding very complex systems that the person finds interesting, but also severely lacking in social skills and appreciating the impact of their often obsessive behavior. This is a condition that falls on the autism spectrum. And these traits seem consistent with how McKinnon went about his hacking. He admitted in interviews that he's been obsessed with space and UFOs since he was a child. When he was first learning to program, he would make video games based on space exploration or games of involving fighting UFOs. The evidence presented in this case demonstrates McKinnon was obsessed with learning how UFOs, new technology sources, and other new means of propulsion would work. He never considered the legal ramifications of what he was doing. Indeed, he felt some sort of relief when he was caught and said he was tired from the constant searching. Because of this, he never made a real effort to hide his hacking activities. Indeed, some of the programs he used in his hacking efforts were registered to his actual email address, and he used his actual name to buy them. He says he is being blamed for damage caused by other hackers, again saying that he saw that there was lots of different parties accessing these databases at the same time as he did. Unfortunately, he's the only one that left fingerprints at the scene of the crime, and so naturally he's going to be the focus of the government's retaliation, and has been. So what exactly did McKinnon find? Well, unfortunately it looks like we'll never precisely know. He insists he found a list of officers who were serving on a non-terrestrial ship. We don't know how many officers were on the spreadsheet McKinnon found, so we can't really extrapolate how big these ships would be. I mean, obviously a ship that contains two officers would be much smaller than a ship assigned 22 officers, which would in turn be much, much smaller than a ship assigned 102 officers, you know. 
McKinnon never offers the names of any of these Air Force or Navy personnel which appeared on the spreadsheet. So there's no way anyone can investigate whether these officers did exist, and if so, what they did for the respective branch of the government. McKinnon did identify eight to ten ships, two specifically by name. And the names associated with these ships are a bit esoteric. General LeMay and Admiral Killenhutter are not two figures who are commonly studied in school or known to the general population. But that being said, if McKinnon was obsessed about UFO history, as this story seems to present him as, these may be people McKinnon would know very well. But regardless, it just seems hard to buy the story that the U.S. has somewhere around 10 ships floating in the atmosphere, hiding in the clouds. I mean, with all the amateur astronomers in the world, not to mention the professional ones, seems like it would be virtually impossible for these ships to dodge the eyesight of our world. Of course, they could be fitted with some sort of stealth technology that allows them to stay afloat without ever being seen, but we're building an assumption upon another assumption, and that's not a good way to conduct business. We are given even less information regarding the new energy and propulsion sources McKinnon was hunting. Common sense suggests that the government would want technology to move forward, since it would give us an advantage over other countries. Naturally, there are unintended consequences from advancing forward too quickly. Say we were given a new form of energy that would replace fossil fuels. Well, that of course would cause the oil and petroleum industry to immediately suffer and would have the trickle-down effect of messing with the automobile industry, the plastics industry, the banks that support and depend on these giant industries would also suffer, there'd be large accounting firms and law firms that would be crippled by this, and also there'd be government agencies who would be without a purpose if this new technology destroyed old technologies. This is all to say, you know, a drastic change would cause a lot of dominoes to fall. Of course, ultimately, we again don't have any information on the existence of these new technologies, so we're speculating. But that would be one reason why a conspiracy may suggest that the U.S. is holding back on introducing new technologies to the world. There's also the simple possibility that McKinnon didn't understand what he was looking at and interpreted it to fit his own desired narrative. He was clearly a smart guy, but he was looking at files intended for people who work in a very small universe. These documents could be filled with slang or acronyms that he didn't know, and he was trying to translate them based on the context. This could easily lead to a misunderstanding of what he was reading. Further, the pictures he tried to look at were massive, and he never had a chance to properly download one. Imagine looking at a 1985 Nintendo video game version of a picture and trying to draw conclusions from it. I mean, think about Super Mario Brothers or Donkey Kong. 
Could you look at those characters and say, based upon pictures of similar quality, I can conclude that these aircraft that are being shown are alien, contain no seams or no rivets? Um, you know, I, I would dare say it's impossible to take such a pixelated image, which is being limited to displaying in only four colors, and making conclusive findings. Maybe you can get the general shape of it, an idea of the size, but beyond that, it would be tough to draw any meaningful conclusions. Again, I think McKinnon saw what he wanted to see and went with it. So in conclusion, I think our buddy Gary here was a passionate guy looking for the truth about aliens and advanced technologies and got lost in his work. I believe he genuinely had no ill intent when he began his journey. Of course, it wasn't very smart to hack into government computers and taunt the people who you were hacking into. But several of his interviews indicated he thought he was doing the U.S. a favor by highlighting these security flaws, as naive as that sounds. Now, as cool as it would be to have the start of a little Starfleet, it looks like McKinnon didn't really stumble into such a massively hidden secret. I wish he could have been a bit more methodical about making copies of what he found so he could see what the non-terrestrial officer spreadsheet really looked like. I'm always a fan of being transparent and shining light into the shadows of our government. But unfortunately, we just have his story here. And that's just not enough for me to buy into his claims. I would love to learn that we can have a little Starfleet floating around out there, exploring the galaxy and doing all this fun stuff, but I'm sorry, I'm just not sold on this one. I think special kudos should be given to your host of this episode, because there were so many interesting little nuanced legal issues that I did not bore you with, like whether the UK's decision not to extradite McKinnon to the US because of his Asperger's syndrome created a new criminal defense based on the autism spectrum. But I was a good little boy. I stuck with the mission statement of this podcast and didn't go chasing little fairies that I found enjoyable to study. So with that, we're moving on to our beloved palate cleanser, Today I've wrestled away the job from my child because I'm a bully of a father, and this episode's going to be released on the day of my birth. Those two things aren't related, but I don't find folks who argue with you as much when you've got multiple reasons for doing something. So that's the reasons I'm going with. Plus, I've really been training to match his level of excellence. And I just really want to take advantage of this moment to shine and should prove that I can come up with a joke as good as my eight-year-old. So, all right. I think I'm ready. Let me just take a moment. All right. We recently obtained a hen. I've been working with her to teach her how to count all the eggs she lays. I have to say, she's become a real mathematician. Ah, ah, pretty good, right? Mathematician? Yeah, I'm proud of that. This is what my life has become. Okay, so that's our show for this week. Everyone, keep washing your hands, 
stay away from all these disgusting other humans in the world. If you want to do a little kindness for me, throw my show a five-star rating. Maybe even leave a little review. Oh, and definitely subscribe. We don't want this program to be drowned out in a sea of well-produced and polished podcasts, do we? No, of course not. We need some grittiness in our lives. We need something where people can listen and say, look, I may not be the best at my job, but at least I can do a better job than that KMH podcast guy. So you're not doing this favor really for me so much as your fellow men and women out there who are struggling in this world. Okay, well, with that, I have an angry eight-year-old I need to go hide from, so I have to split. Don't forget to be awesome this week, guys. Brad is out. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.